Well, we're um, talking about hermeneutics, kind of introducing that tonight, and we'll just get started. Hermeneutics is just the, the study of Bible interpretation, how to study the Bible, how to interpret the Bible. We, we do, uh, all of us would say that the Bible is, uh, is God's infallible, inspired, inerrant word, and that we should study it, we should know it, we should um, meditate on it. We all know those things. Um, and, and many of us do study uh, regularly, um, but maybe uh, some of you, you're not real sure how to go about studying the Bible. We read the Bible, but we don't necessarily study it. And we've talked about Bible reading plans as we've passed those out here at the first of the year. We read, we have Bible reading plans. We read through the Bible, right, for information's sake. Continuity of the story, redemptive history, understand that story. We read for, um, for knowledge's sake, right? But we study for intimacy's sake, okay? We study for intimacy's sake. Um, I did pass around some outlines. You need, you may need an outline, a pen, outline. Here you go. Outlines. All right, hold on a second. Okay, here, take that outline. You got outlines right here. I trust him. I trust him. You. Huh? Oh. Get out of here. You got, uh, we have one more outline. Here you go. And I'll have some more uh, next time. Uh, what we're doing, we're trying to, um, who didn't get an outline? Here, you can have an outline. I'm share. You can have we'll your own. We, we, have, we have some. There's no sense sharing. <laughs> Nobody need one. Okay. Um, Hermeneutics, uh, how to study the Bible. There's a lot of literature, a lot of, a lot of ink's been spilled um, uh, about this subject, and rightly so. A couple books uh, that are helpful if you uh, want, want to uh, some help with this. 40 questions about, it's a series of books, 40 questions about, and it's really been helpful. I've got the one on the law, but this is by Robert Plummer. He was, um, he was actually uh, our um, Greek teacher. At Southern, but he uh, is interpreting Bible, and it's a lot. It's 40 questions. We've actually uh, we've talked about doing this in small group uh, with Chris and Bo. This was five, six years ago. We talked about doing this. We never did, but uh, that's a helpful book. Uh, here's a book by Robert Stein, a basic guide to interpreting the Bible, playing by the rules. It's just uh, what we're going to be talking about: hermeneutical principles. Uh, it's real helpful. I think it's real easy read. And there's another one uh, by Howard Hendricks. It's, it, these are probably my favorites. Howard Hendricks, it's one called Living by the Book. And I had one in my office, and I, I thought that uh, Morgan, I thought I'd gotten him a copy of that. Jenny actually ordered another one at home, and I forgot to grab it. But mine was so, I've used it so much that it was, it was, it had come apart so many times I couldn't put it back together. Like it was like, you know, I think I've lost pages, but it was just a, a clump of paper. But it's a great book. Uh, um, Howard Hendricks, he was a, a hermeneutics teacher at uh, Dallas Theological Seminary for years. He's, I think he's passed away now, but he's uh, um, kind of a legend in the, the, the area of, of hermeneutics. But he, that book is, is probably my favorite. But anyway, there's some books, and there's many. Anybody else got a book that you recommend about how to study the Bible? Any that you have read or have at home? Um, there's, a, there's a lot, but anyway... Hermeneutics. What are we doing? It, the, what, our purpose really um, here is just to give you some basic um, 
hermeneutical principles, okay, then what we're going to do is apply those to each genre of the Bible. What do we mean by genre? Yeah, different types of literature, right? Like, what are, what are some different types of literature in the Bible? Cindy, what's one? Wisdom, Wisdom literature, all right? Like Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Songs, Ecclesiastes. That's wisdom literature. What's another? History. History books. There are narrative text. There's narrative text, which covers, you know, uh, it's just stories, right? Um, stories. And that can include, that's the largest genre, right? Because you got all the, the history books, the, the law, the Torah, all that stories, right? You have 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, that's, that's narrative. And then you have, of course, the narrative in the New Testament, which is the Gospels, which sometimes that's a, another category, right? Another genre. What's the easiest to study and understand and interpret for you? Narrative? Or most people say epistles. Like when you we ask people like you ask people to to, um, to teach something, by and large what you'll have people do is they'll teach if they're going to pick a text on their own, they'll pick an epistle because it's pretty straightforward. You know, the letters of the New Testament. Um, so, um, but you have other other genres like um, parables, and the reason that we were going to study these principles and then look at each of the the genres is because they're all different. They're all different, um, and there's certain principles that we'll what we'll do is we'll m memorize those for each genre, and, and what what I want to do uh, every class I've ever been in there's you get all these principles. You know, it's like a uh, sucking water out of a fire hydrant. But then I'm always in the back wanting to raise my hands and say, hey, why don't you pick a text and, and do this with the text? And so I've never seen that done. And so uh, that's kind of how, that's my approach. So anyway, that's what we're going to be doing uh, here over the next couple months. My, my desire is to, it'll be, you know, 10 weeks and then we'll break and then we'll do an overview of the Bible. Uh, the Bible story, story of redemption. We'll learn that. That's my hope for this this spring. We'll see how it goes. Um, studying the Bible. Why do we not study the Bible? Or why do some people not study the Bible? What would be the reasons? They don't know how. Yeah, they don't know how. Yeah. Um, yeah. Think about our kids. How do we how do we teach our kids to swim? Those of us that have children that we've taught them how to swim. How do we teach them how to swim? You, yeah, well, that's what we don't do, right? How many of you uh, John Wayne fans? Anybody besides Reagan? Besides Reagan, anybody else? John Wayne fan? Yeah, Hondo. You remember the? You remember the Hondo? Hondo, uh, John Wayne's character. He comes upon this uh, this ranch house who's got a, a, a woman who you know there's a there's a there and a child, and so the the husband uh, John Wayne's character ends up killing because he's a piece of trash, right? And um, but yeah, the little boy's fishing, and he, he asks him, he says, well, you're here, and your shadow's being cast on the water. That's why you're not catching fish. You ought to be on the other side. He said, well, I can't do that. He goes, why? He said, well, I can't get to the other side. He said, what do you mean? Well, I can't swim. He, he did like this, and he picks him up and throws him in the water, right? 
And uh, of course, the mom's like, oh, you know. And then the boy, before you know it, do what? Yeah, yeah, he got it. He swam, right? Yeah, that's how we. Um, but typically, yeah, typically, I, I remember. I remember learning how to swim. I was at Mr. Uh, Shorty Gant's house. Um, they had a swimming pool, and it, I was, I don't know, five, six years old, and went over there and had somebody there giving swimming lessons, and so. They first uh, get you in the water and they teach you how to float. And you, you learn how to float. And then they, you might do, you know, doggy paddle, that kind of thing. But it's little by little, just steps, you know. And so that's kind of how it is with studying the Bible. Um, we, we have a, uh, we need a, a little simple technique um, that's going to help us to understand the author's intended meaning of the text. And that's what we always want to do in, uh, when we study the Bible is what is this specific author's uh, intended meaning. That's what we want to find out. What's another excuse or reason why people don't study the Bible? We don't know how. And that's a... That's a they don't understand. Yeah, they don't understand. They don't know how. And that's... I mean, that's... Yeah, I, I understand. I, I've shared this many times, but when I was overseas, I couldn't go to the house churches. And so what I would do is I would, I would see people that I knew went to, you know, Lady Shong's house church. And so how I, because I couldn't meet with the house churches, how I would determine uh, or how I would know how that, um, that house church was doing, you know, was it healthy or not, is I would just meet with them on the street and I would ask questions. And I always ask, are you sharing the gospel or who are you trying to share the gospel with? And they said, well, nobody. I'm, I'm not sharing the gospel. I was like, why? And then the answer was, I, was, I really don't know how. And then I ask them, what are you studying the Bible? And uh, more times than not, they would, you know, they might tell me that what they're reading or something. Um, but oftentimes they would say they're not, and I would ask them why, and they said, well, I really don't know how. And of course, I would go back to the, the pastor and say, hey, I met Sister So-and-so, and she said this. Um, but when I came back to the States for stateside, we would come back every either two or three years, and I would travel around different churches preaching, and Jeannie and I would do the same thing. Uh, we just It didn't matter if it was a big church, little church. I would just kind of randomly get to talking to people and I would ask them, are you sharing the gospel with anybody? If not, why not? Usually, not always, but oftentimes it's like, yeah, I really don't know how to do that. I don't really feel comfortable doing that. I'm not really sure how. And in Bible study, it's the same thing. It wasn't quite as prevalent, you know, in the States. But by and large, that was the answer. I really don't know how. And that's a, that's a, that's a good reason, right, uh, not to study the Bible. Another uh, example or another um, excuse would be, what? Yeah, I don't have time. Yeah, I don't have time. Yeah. You know, and you can be a smart aleck preacher, right? And sometimes every, all preachers are smart aleck preachers. But you say, well, you, 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 how many times a day do you eat? You know, it's that, that thing. Well, you, you eat because it's important. Um, but yeah, they say they don't have time. What what else? It's complicated. Yeah, it can be it can be complicated at times. They would say, I don't understand it. Right? I don't understand this, the scriptures. Um, and it's true, there's some texts that are difficult to understand, right? Even the Apostle Peter, he mentioned some things in Paul's letter, right? Second Peter chapter three, verse fifteen and sixteen. He would um, he would say, Yeah, there's some things that are uh, that are difficult um, that Paul writes about. And there are times where there's difficult text. Um, if you've looked ahead in Micah, I would say, uh, some of you would probably say, yeah, that's, this prophecy is a little bit difficult to, to get your, uh, you know, to get your head around and to, and to keep organized. 
And, and, and I think that's a valid reason. I'm going to pass out a couple of these verses. We didn't put them on the screen. I felt like I just want to be a little bit more interactive just holding the Bible since we're talking about studying the Bible. I felt like that might be important. But I'm going to give you some of these and you can, you can read, look at some of these if you want. Daddy left one at home. Oh, okay. Just. Here you go. Pass those out. Whoever, just, just find that in the, in the text. And when we come to that, there's sometimes we'll all turn, but sometimes we're just trying to get through some information. Sometimes I'll just have you read that text. But yeah, there's reasons why believers don't study. But I think I don't know how is the primary uh, excuse we would uh, mind here. What's the Bible say about the Bible? If we're going to study the Bible. Um, when you think about the Bible, speaking of itself, what comes to mind? Any text that describes what the Bible is? What comes to mind? Quick and powerful yeah, what text? What text? What address? What text? Huh? The one I was just saying? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's in Timothy? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Second Timothy 3, 16, 17. Yep, that's it. Good. Yeah, your, your word is living and active, powerful and double-edged sword. Yeah, good. What, any, anything else come to mind? <coughs> Psalm. Which one? 19. 19, Psalm 119, right? Yeah, and there's times in my Bible when I just need to take a break and do something different, kind of clear my head, I'll finish a book where I'm studying just in my own reading time, study time, I'll go to Psalm 119, and I'll just read through it, maybe for a week, just every day, just reading, reading, reading. Yeah, it's all about the Word of God, right? Psalm 19 is also an uh, important passage teaching about the Word. First uh, Peter 2.2, 2. anybody have that text? You want to read that for us? Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Yeah, the Bible helps us grow, doesn't it? Helps us grow spiritually. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 through 14. This teaches us about the Bible. Somebody read that for us. It's in your notes there. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Yeah. The writer of Hebrews, I want to teach you a lot about this, but you're not ready for it, right? Uh, again, the Bible helps us mature spiritually. It helps us grow spiritually, helps us mature spiritually. And then the passage that Jamie mentioned, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, right? All the script all scripture. Old Testament, New Testament. It's God breathed, which means what? Yes, inspired by God. It's God's Word. It's not man's Word, right? It's God's Word. It's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the Bible helps us grow spiritually, helps us mature, right? But it also helps us be spiritually effective, right? Yeah. John 6, 39, you search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me, and you're unwilling to come to me. Yeah. So that you may have life. The scripture points to Christ and yeah. there is eternal life. Yeah, good. 
Good. Anybody else? Any other text come to mind? I say Romans one as well. The power, gospel, the power of the gospel. Um, yeah. Uh, Bring the righteousness God for real faith, faith. Yeah. I'm not ashamed of the gospel is the power of God for salvation. We don't get the yeah. gospel without. Yeah, the word of God. yeah. The word of God is the gospel is in the word of God, right? Romans one sixteen. Yeah, um, we need to read the Bible because we need to grow spiritually, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, we need to be effective, spiritually effective, and we we know as believers. Yeah, that's why we're here, right? Yeah, I want to I want to know how to better study the Bible. Well, how did the Bible come to us? Real quickly, you see that in your outline. It's a uh, the, the Word of God began as thoughts in God's mind. We don't all, always think about that, you know? Well, we got it on paper here, but yeah, but that, that was God's thoughts, right? And what He had to do? He had to reveal that revelation, right? He had to reveal that to, to people, right? And it came to human authors' minds, right? To Moses and to Jeremiah and to Malachi and to King David and uh, Matthew and Paul and Peter. And there's inspiration there, right? God inspired these men to write these words down. So they wrote the original manuscripts, right? Either in Hebrew, Old Testament, some Aramaic, New Testament, Greek, and a little Aramaic, right? Um, then the church, what did they do? They collected these 66 books we call the canon of Scripture. They collected those together, right? Um, and there was translation work done. And then, of course, the Holy Spirit there illuminated the Word and helped those reading it interpret it rightly. So then we have God's thoughts in our minds, right? And what do we do? We apply that to our lives. Our lives are changed, and then we can communicate how that has changed us so it can change other people. Okay? So let's look through those steps real quickly. Um, how do we get His Word? Well, God revealed Himself to us, right? Called revelation. We had to get His Word. He had to reveal His Word to us. So revelation is the act of God by which He has made known what was otherwise unknowable. Um, it's the disclosure of God to His creatures. It's God making Himself known. Okay, And you have two types of revelation. You have general revelation, and then you have special revelation. General revelation is when God witnesses about Himself, right, through creation, history, through the consciences of men, Right? Also known, it's also sometimes called natural revelation, right? General revelation. Uh, Romans 1.20. Somebody have that text for us? For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been fully seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. Yeah, God's revealed Himself in nature. Does everybody know there's God? We went to China. You know, you got to sign up. Man, there's a lot of atheists in China, you know. Man, those people in China never heard the gospel ever, not ever. You ask them who Jesus is, they say, well, some, sometimes they wouldn't know at all. But sometimes they say, wasn't he an American that lived a long time ago? You know, clueless. But you know what? They knew there was a God. 
They knew there was a God. Yeah, yeah. He he reveals himself in uh, generally, right? But also he re reveals himself special in special in special way through his word, but also through the person of Christ, right? Yeah. Um, that general revelation is enough to get you straight to hell. Yeah, yeah. It's enough to condemn. It's not enough to save. You're not going to get saved by well, Indian. You're not going to get saved by looking at the stars. That's right. Yep. Yeah, you're right. Revelation is enough to say they're on a true atheist. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. For sure. There's a... Uh, we have Second Peter 1, 19 through 21. Might have that. I got that we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, okay. So special revelation through the Word of God. Um, so you have a revelation. God had these thoughts in his mind, and he reveals them to mankind. And then God inspired man to write the Bible. So there's revelation, and then there's inspiration, right? It's the act of God by which he superintended or guided the human authors of the 66 books of the Bible so that in their own individual personalities, they composed and recorded without error right, his revelation to man in the in the in the words of the original text. Okay, so inspirations where God superintended the human authors to write down His words without error. Right, He guides them, and there's scriptures to speak about inspiration. Uh, Matthew chapter five, verse seventeen through eighteen. This is in your notes. It's Jesus' view. What was his understanding, or what did he say about inspiration? Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass away from the law until it is all accomplished. So this is Jesus' view on the Scriptures. The Law and the Prophets, right? The Old Testament. It's to be fulfilled. He came to fulfill it. John 10, 34 through 36. This is also Jesus' thoughts on His Word. Somebody want to read that? Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said you are God's? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? Yeah, scripture cannot be broken, he says. Right? It's just because this is God's word. Second Timothy three, fifteen through seventeen. This is Paul's view on inspiration. What did Paul say about Inspiration. Somebody want to read that? What was it? Second Timothy three, fifteen through seventeen. Oh, I have that, sorry. And that from 
childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be equipped, having been thoroughly equipped for every good work. Okay, this is Paul, right? So these are, God's word is inspired. It's all is inspired, right? Then Peter, what's Peter say about this? 1 Peter 1, 20 through 21. We just, we just read that one, right? Yeah. Go ahead. Read it again. That's okay. Let me. I'll read it. You're good. I thought there was a mistake. No, that's okay. It's that, we are read. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. They're carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's inspiration, right? God's thoughts. He's revealing it to these men, and what are they doing? Writing down His words in a way that it's completely accurate without error in the original manuscripts, right? There's different views about inspiration. Like how did, okay, so how did that happen? How did God get those men, those fallible men, to write down His infallible Word? So there's several um, theories. One is the natural theory. The natural theory is that there's no supernatural element involved at all in the scripture. The Bible is, is, is just a, a book like any other book, but, it's just, but it is inspiring. Anybody ever read a book and been inspired? Like a fiction book and been inspired to, to do, you know, to be encouraged or to be moved? Yeah. They would say this is a moving piece of literature is what they would say, but it's not supernatural. It's just moving. Yeah, these authors really, they read 1 Corinthians 13. It's just beautiful. It's beautiful and it's moving, but it's not supernatural. That's a natural theory. Of course, we, we don't hold to that view, right? There's a dynamic view, uh, sometimes called the partial uh, view. And this, I, I, uh, this theory says that the Word of God contains, or the Bible contains the Word of God and is without error in regard to theology, in regard to doctrine, in regard to salvation, but it may be an error when it comes to history, because sometimes, you know, we haven't really found this city yet, and this person, we don't, we haven't found any record of him in any archaeological digs. So this view would say in, in regard to theology, doctrine, salvation, yet yeah, it's, 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 without error. But when it comes to science and history, ah, the Bible's a little off. So, of course, we wouldn't embrace that view either, would we? The third view is mechanical dictation. Uh, think of this as, uh, I always think about just um, God just overtaking somebody's body, right? And they just, it's kind of like he's dictating to them and they're just uh, robotic, like, like a typewriter or a typist, right? And just recording his words. They're passive instruments in the hand of God. Um, but what, with that, what's wrong with that view? Why would we not embrace that? What are you missing out on? If they're robotic and they're... Well, entirely inspired if he did it for them. Yeah, and also this, their personality. personality. Yeah, their personality's missing there, right? Um, and so um, the view that we Christians, evangelicals, would hold to is a verbal plenary view of inspiration, 
which says, you've got it there in your notes, God has superintended the human authors so that in their own words, via their individual personalities, they wrote the scriptures and they are inspired fully to the very words and are without error in all that they affirm. So, because we hold to this view of inspiration, we believe God's Word is inerrant, which means without error, right? Inerrant. One N, two R's. I always get that. I always mess that up. Inerrant. Also infallible, which is, means it's incapable of teaching non-truth or leading one astray. So it's inerrant. It's without error. It's infallible. It's incapable of teaching falsehoods, right? And it's also inspired. It's God-breathed. Inerrant, infallible, and inspired. And in, when we say that, that inspiration extends to, to what part? Just the words? No. The writing? You know, it's not merely the idea. It's the writings, right? The words, all the words. The tenses of the verbs, you've got some a text there, you can look uh, that up. Um, the letters of the words, and then the smallest parts of the letters. Who has Matthew 5, 17 through 18? I do. All right. I've got 15 through 18. That's okay. Read that Matthew 5, 17 through 18. Um. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Yeah, what's an, what's an, what's an iota or a dot? The Yeah, it's like your dot and your I, right? Or a cross and a T. It's like the smallest part of a of a letter like yeah none of that all of it's inspired so um, what does inspiration mean it's all God's Word the grammar patterns you know every little letter every little out every little dot it's all inspired in the, in the original manuscripts it's all God's Word and it's perfect without error that's the, that's where the plenary verbal uh, view of inspiration. It's it's perfect in every way. Um, Cultural references, suggestions in, that the, they included in. Yeah. Everything. Yeah, everything. We can say, yeah, this is God's word. It's right and it's perfect and it's true. Um, uh, yeah. So we have. So if God's thoughts, He reveals His thoughts to, to mankind, right? To these authors. He inspires them to write it down, right? So we can say we have God's Word through revelation, through inspiration. But then we also need illumination. Illumination. Uh, the Holy Spirit not only inspires the writings of the Bible, but also illuminates the Scriptures. So illumination is the work of the Holy Spirit, which helps the reader... And gaining both the understanding, the meaning, and the significance of God's written revelation. 
It's illumination. We need the Holy Spirit's help. He needs to illuminate the Word for us. He has to illuminate the Word for us. He helps us understand it. And he, he not only helps us understand it, but its significance, right? And that's really important. John 16, 12 through 15. I have much more to say to you than you can now bear. This is Jesus speaking, but when He, the, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. The Spirit will come and guide you into all truth. Do we need the Holy Spirit to help us? Sure do. We sure do. So that brings us to another question. Can the lost, can a lost person understand the scriptures? That's a trick question. Just don't say anything out loud real quickly. because uh, you know how that goes. Um, yeah. They can, um, if they have a, a study a proper study method, they can understand it, but but only to a certain degree. They can understand it. In fact, uh, we don't have time. We're going to run out of time. But Mark chapter 12, it's the parable of the tenants. Things are heating up. Jesus is getting close to close to Jerusalem. So those religious leaders, they're getting more and more fired up. He tells this parable of the tenants. You know the parable of the, the man has a vineyard. He rents it out. What happens? They don't pay the money. So he sends a servant and they abuse the servant. Finally he says, I'm going to send my son and they kill a son. And at the end of that parable, Mark chapter 12, the religious leaders, did they know? Did they understand that parable? Yeah. And they understood he's talking about us. And they wanted to kill him. So um, can the lost person understand the scripture? Yes. The problem is the significance of the text. That's... A, that's um, that's the, the big issue. Um, you know, they would, they would say, I remember as a lost person, uh, a teenager, if you asked me, are you sinful, I would say, of course. Of course, I understood that. But I didn't understand how sinful I really was. You know, was. Did Jesus die for sinners? Oh, yeah, of course, I understood that. But I didn't understand this. No, Jesus went to the cross for pay my sin debt, right? Um, so I think that's the, the issue. Um, 1 Corinthians 2.14, the man without spirit doesn't understand uh, how wonderful, how excellent the, the words of Scripture are, right? And he doesn't welcome them or he doesn't apply them to his life because they have to be illuminated. He has to see it. And you know, I say this a lot. And I, you know, we, we ask the Lord, open up our spiritual eyes, our spiritual ears. What are we asking the Lord to do? Illuminate, illuminate the Scriptures. We need your help. We need to see it rightly. We need to understand it. We need your help to do that. So we need the, Spirit, we need the Spirit's help. I um, we shouldn't get frustrated when we're evangelizing also. Yeah. You know, you keep going at verse. He is not able to understand it. Yeah. So apart from the Spirit's work in the heart and yeah. has to see and ears to hear, you know, you just yeah. be faithful with the gospel and pray for this, this guy. Yeah. 
apart from that, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yep. The Spirit's got to do the work, right? Illumination and interpretation typically happen simultaneously. So you have a revelation. God reveals His thoughts, His what's in His mind to mankind. God inspires these men to write these words down for us. But we have to have the Spirit, right, illuminate our minds to understand it. And then when our minds are illuminated, we can interpret Scriptures rightly. We can understand the meaning of each text. So it's kind of our fourth little step there. We have the inspired Word of God, but we have to interpret it. So interpretation is the process of determining the biblical author's intended meaning. Interpretation is the process of determining the biblical author's intended meaning. And I got another word, John. Yep. No, that's okay. What, what about the word discovery? Wouldn't that be, I mean, discover yeah. what they meant? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, think about think about this. This is going to be real important. We're going to talk about this. You'll you're really going if you if you stick with us for a couple months. You're really going to know this. There's a lot of implications. Every scripture, you know, can have many implications for us, but it only has one meaning. So we have to get at that meaning. What's the author's intended meaning of a text? Um, yeah, I think it's one of the things that we, we we probably have in the modern day evangel evangelicalism. We've messed up. Hmm. Is go around the round table and what does this mean to you? Yeah. What does yeah, this mean yeah. to you? Yeah. Oh. Is, that's that's probably the key point I think in hermeneutics is. Yep. Is what is the author? What is the authorial intent of the author? Not what Blake thinks it means, or yeah. what it, what, it, what does it mean? Well, I think it means this. That's yeah. that is the key that we have to mm -hmm. get away from. Yeah, know? yeah. I think that was kind of a. It was probably a. I grew up like that. Yeah, I was about to say, we all we kind of, if we were right within the last fifty yeah. years we've probably grown up like that. Yeah, that's that's the wrong way I believe in. Yeah, yeah. How that happens? How that was taught? Yeah. What's that mean to you? Well, it means that to you. Well, it means this to me. You know, there are different implications for text. For example, there's a commandment of one of the ten, right? Um, the fifth one says what? You remember the fifth of the ten commandments? Do do your motions, right? There you go. That's how. That's the only way you can remember, it, right? Honor your father and mother. Okay. Now, around looking around this room, we got some folks who are younger, some folks who are older. There's different implications for each of us because of that, from that text, right? Such as, what? Hmm? Yeah, uh, honor your father and mother, but for some of us, well, some, a 14 year old living in his house, yeah. 65 year old, and your parents are in a nursing yeah. home. Yeah, or for some of you whose, whose dad's passed away, and your mother's passed away. But yeah, there's some of us here who our parents are in the room. So there's different implications. Now, but there's still one meaning. What does it mean to honor your mother and father? <laughs> That's the same for everybody, but there's implications different. So, um, yeah. And so what we're going to do 
for the rest of our time is we're going to figure out how to find the meaning of each text or each how to use as we study each genre how do we within that genre scripture what are some principles going to help us get at the meaning of the text so that's what we'll stop there